podcast where we, a real-life mother and daughter duo, rewatch Gilmore Girls and discuss the misadventures of fictional mother and daughter duo Lorelai and Rory Gilmore. I am Tessa Dare, a writer and the author of the paranormal mystery series The Karans and Chronicles, and Beth's daughter. And I'm Beth, Tessa's mom. I'm also a writer. Tessa and I have been talking about movies and TV, music, politics, and culture pretty much since she could read. Even after she moved to Seattle, for which I have never really forgiven her, we kept up this dialogue until one day one of us joked we should do a podcast and move these talks into the digital world. The Gilmore Girls seemed like a good place to start because not only does their story resonate with us, I was a single mother of a teenage daughter attending a private school we could not afford, but the plot lines in the Gilmore Girls often embrace the topics that Tess and I like to discuss. So here we are. And uh, we now have a Patreon. You can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash where you lead if you would like to support us. Every week, we will start off with a synopsis of the episode along with the date it aired before heading into our discussion, uh, as well as doing a little bit of coffee talk. I am on my second cup of coffee. How about you? Well, I had a, a cup from uh, Breadco, St. Louis Bread Company. This probably about midday, and uh, pa- Panera I Panera to the it. plebes. Panera to the to everybody else outside <laughs> of St. Louis because it is it is in a, a St. Louis company. That's why it's St. Louis Breadco here. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, I, ha- I had that while I was running errands, and now I have refilled it with yesterday's warmed over coffee. <laughs> So here we are. So today we are discussing Season 1, Episode 10. Forgiveness and Stuff is the title. It originally aired December 21st, 2000, which is exactly a day after Episode 9 aired. So I'm guessing they conceived of these two episodes as Parts 1 and 2. They must have, I don't remember what day of the week they were running on, but uh, it was December, so maybe it was they were trying to get two episodes in before they took their holiday break. I think in the first season they aired on Thursdays, so I guess it would have so been, a... been Thursday and Friday. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Anyway. Interesting. It, it does feel like a two-parter. And, and it could be that they wrote it as a, two, as a two-hour episode and then had to cut it down. I'd just like to throw in just a quick note here. We may be on episode 10, but we have not, as of the, as of the moment that we are recording this episode, we have not actually uploaded or published any of our podcasts yet. We're yes. in the process of doing that. We're ten, you're, you'll hear this in, you know, 10 episodes down the road, but... The reason I bring it up is Tess has been working her ass off uh, and using her very smart, big brain to get this, to make this happen. And I just want to say kudos to her. By the time you hear this, it will be 10 episodes down. But it, it, it's still, it, it's amazing what we've had to go through to get this thing published. It's a, it's a, it's a technical marvel that she has has accomplished this past week and some some of it without enough sleep because <laughs> taking every moment she's had of every day to get this up and uh thank you for doing that Tess it's really you've done a great job oh thank you yeah I mean part of that in there part of part of the work is just that there are apparently a million podcast platforms out there um mm. and hilariously <laughs> the 
biggest part of the work was just figuring out various sign-ins. Actually getting the podcast edited, not that hard. Editing a trailer, not that bad. Getting signed in to all of the places where we need to upload it, really hard. <laughs> Setting up an Apple ID yes. was way harder than it should have been. It, was... it wasn't for me because I already had one because I use yeah. Apple products, but you don't. So it was... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, I, I don't. And they have a wall around Apple products that Windows users <laughs> cannot get over, apparently. Yes, it's like they don't want you. They make it as hard as they can. Yeah, yep. they make it as hard as they can. So time for uh, the synopsis. Do you want to do that? Yeah. So yeah, the episode overview, uh, like we mentioned, uh, this one does feel like the end of a two-parter. The previous episode left things pretty unresolved between Lorelai and Rory, as well as between Lorelai and Emily. Uh, so the fallout from that continues, which leads to uh, kind of the first conflict of the episode, which is Emily disinviting Lorelai from their annual Christmas party, from Emily and Richard's annual Christmas party. And then basically Richard has a health complication. And those are kind of the big... Those are the big uh, stories. Yeah. But it's surprisingly hurtful to Lorelai yeah. that her mother has... And you don't... I don't think her mother saw that coming. I don't think Lorelai saw it coming. But when they, she gets disinvited, which is pretty early on, she has to grapple with it. And yeah. it, it raises... Uh, questions for her and yeah. actually the whole episode raises questions for her but we open with the rehearsal for the pageant yes. the christmas pageant it's <laughs> it's december it's christmas yeah. uh and there's a very very my first thought was that woman is really pregnant <laughs> oh, yeah. was a very pregnant young woman in the pageant who is playing mary yes um she's the, there are two marys she's the before mary yes and then there's an after Mary, and they're both redheads. Um, but the after Mary is not pregnant because Jesus has been born. Yeah. But then, and during that first scene when they're talking about her, the before Mary does look like she's in pain. And I'm sitting there thinking, she looks like she's about to go into labor, yep. which she does. <laughs> yep. Yeah, there's a, a line where Miss Patty, uh, like, goes over to Taylor. She says, Taylor, come quickly. Our before Mary is about to become an after. Who else in town is knocked up? Is knocked up? <laughs> uh, yeah, that was, this was a funny scene. It is very... Patty, is, Patty gets the best lines. Miss yeah, Patty, she gets the edgy lines. She's great, and apparently she uses real pregnant women in her Christmas pageants. Yes, it has to be. They have to be real pre really pregnant. And yes. I mean really pregnant, because she yeah. looks like she's about to drop. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, and while that is going on, uh, you can tell that Rory and Lorelai are still having some tension, because basically they're both doing separate tasks, but they both kind of like look over uneasily at the other one. Uh, Rory's task is to find... The arm on the world's ugliest baby Jesus. Uh, this the baby Which Jesus Which is decades doll. old at this point. Yeah, it, I mean, it they, looks like it's been cobbled together from multiple different dolls. The torso is a different color than. It's a Frankenstein like, yeah. baby Jesus. Yeah, and but but they've had it for decades, and mm -hmm. that's why. And what is the the guy's name? He's running the pageant. Taylor. Uh, he, Taylor. Yeah, he Taylor. He um he won't let her get a new doll because no, this is the one we've always used because it's tradition. It's tradition. Uh, but the the Gilmores look at each other periodically in those yeah. in that first scene during the pageant setup, and they both look sad. 
They don't look happy. They're doing what they're expected to do because they are a part of this community and everybody everybody volunteers, everybody jumps in for the Christmas pageant. We've got Kirk here again as well. Lorelai's mm-hmm. task is that she's working on Kirk's costume. She's sewing. Yeah, she's so she's using her seamstress skills for yeah. the pageant. And apparently this is a thing for her. Mm-hmm. So it makes me wonder... I mean, when you were little and you had Halloween costumes to make, I was always sewing them by hand. Mm-hmm. So because we didn't have a sewing machine and I, I, we did have an old one, but I didn't know how to use it. So I sewed a lot of your stuff by hand so I could relate to that. Because, yeah. you know, the weeks, the, the month of October for me off were often spent in the evenings sewing things by hand. <laughs> Willie, watch. I I got a pretty good even what do you call it seam <laughs> seam ability there for yeah. for a few years. And so when she when I see her doing this, I think yeah, that's a single mom, all right. That's what she's oh, yeah. doing. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's that scene. Uh, I believe that scene actually. So uh, Rory fails to find the arm, and as she and Lorelai are leaving, they they kind of uh, do walk together again, but it's still kind of tense, not very warm between them and of course as they walk out of frame we see uh, a dog walk by with the baby jesus's arm in its mouth yes <laughs> and something else on this opening uh that i put in my nose because it just hit me lorelei wears much more revealing clothes than her daughter does now i watched this episode last week not last night so i can't remember i'm not getting a visual in my mind on that but i just remember whatever was she, she was wearing it was probably a tight shirt and she she she's very useful in in her clothing and and sexy and her daughter who you would you know we would think the roles would be reversed it is much more uh reserved in her clothing yeah child a lot of sweaters mm-hmm. um i also noticed right off the bat because he might not have been famous yet or at least somebody whose name we recognize but as the credits were rolling jane lynch is in this episode. oh yeah yeah jane lynch yeah, yeah. and she was in the credits and i wrote it down jane mm-hmm. lynch in credits because i'm not sure that we would have known in 2000 who she was i don't remember what year uh, was it Glee something? Glee. What was it? It was just Glee. Glee. That was just Glee. Okay. Yeah. It was definitely it was after big... this. Glee was on, uh, I think, when I was in college. Um, so, okay. yeah, I think. So it was later. Yeah. The shows may have overlapped slightly, but it would have been the tail end of Gilmore Girls if they did. And, and, and she's done a lot more since yeah. Glee. That was her big kind of coming out role. Yeah. Uh, which I say deliberately because she is a famous <laughs> lesbian actress. Yes. And she was in, she's also in Mrs. Um, Mrs. Maisel. She oh. has a, a recurring role in Mrs. Maisel. So this is the same uh, show creator who did, who also created Mrs. Maisel. She's used a lot of the same actors. Yeah. And she uses Jane Lynch here before she's really a big star. So yeah. she's, she's sticking with the same troupe of actors, sort of. I, I think this kind of role that Jane Lynch is playing in this episode is the is a kind of role that she had a lot. Like, she, she wasn't famous before Glee, but she was in a lot of stuff. She had a lot yeah. of small Character parts. roles. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so yeah, we, we do the credits, uh, and then the scene after the credits, we've uh, got Lane. I don't want to dwell on it, but it is kind of a scene of Rory being a bad friend again, because apparently yeah. they were... We're supposed to meet up at Luke's and Lo- 
Rory forgot, and Lane has to come and find her. Lane finds uh, Rory at the little gazebo, and uh, this is a kind of a, a, a very small note for this episode, but it's kind of the main, it's, I think it's the only scene we get with Lane, and it's basically, it, it, part of the point of the scene is to recap where we're at. Lane shows up, and she's very forgiving of Rory, because she's like, okay, you and Lorelai haven't made up yet, so that's probably why you forgot. Uh, and then they talk a little bit about Dean, and Rory reveals that she bought Dean Metamorphosis for Christmas. And oh, yeah. Lane kind of starts this very, like, stereotypical, or not, not stereotypical, this very, like, sitcom conversation with her where she tells Rory that that's not a romantic enough gift to give him and that she needs to think more about what the gift says than what the gift actually is because Rory has gotten him metamorphosis because she sees him as a boy who likes to read and I think that maybe they talked about metamorphosis at some point so she thought okay they talked about it this would be a cute gift that shows that like you know I know who he is and I appreciate the things that we have in common which is reading because at this point in time Dean is characterized as a person who is pretty well cultured and does like to read at least a little bit but metamorphosis really yeah <laughs> I mean it's definitely not the most romantic book in the world does it I haven't read it but doesn't he become a bug yeah I, I, I believe mean... <laughs> that is the plot yes <laughs> so <laughs> Uh, but yeah, but Lane uh, brings up that she one time messed up with the present that she got her mom because she got her perfume, which she thought was an indication of you work really hard and you deserve something nice and kind of luxurious. But her mm -hmm. mom interpreted it as, hey, mom, here's some smelly sex juice, the kind I use to lure boys with. And then she sent yeah. Lane off to a Christian camp. Yeah, well, at least she didn't think, you know, well, you're giving me perfume because I stink. I mean, that's what I thought she was going to say, you know. So, yeah. I, you know, Lane, Lane is not wrong that metamorphosis may not be the, the perfect Christmas gift. And that once again, Rory is kind of so insulated from the real world that she's, she's not, you know. And that might be a great gift for her mother. Yeah. You know, maybe not metamorphosis, but a book. Mm -hmm. um, or, you know, if you're going to get him a book. Get him a book and maybe something to go with it, but not that book. Yeah. I, you know, I don't know. Maybe a movie. You know, buy him a movie that he wanted to see or something. I, they're just, they're so, because it's 20 years ago, so you don't buy movies anymore. But, but wow. I mean, it's just, it's very, uh, Lane is right. Yeah. I mean, she's not wrong. You know, I think uh, Rory means well, but pff, she's not doing well. Yeah, she does mean well. It's definitely not the most romantic gift. Although Lane's solution, she basically describes a sitcom plot and like pitches it to Rory as the answer. She describes like you need to like spy on him or something and figure out something yeah. that he like really likes, but that is also like not exactly sexy, but like romantic or whatever. Uh, and we, we do kind of drop it, but this is basically the scene where we, we check in um, on the Rory side of her relationship with Dean. And uh, we do know that it is still happening, although I think this is also the scene where she mentions that she has not actually spoken to Dean since the incident. He keeps calling the house, but she isn't talking to him, not because she's mad at him. I think no. it's more just because she still can't, handle that this conflict is happening and it's almost like a penance or something she's like not going to talk to him yeah. until things are resolved i think if she talked to him it would it would bring it all back up again and yeah. she's really not dealt with what happened the fight with her mother her mother's fight with her grandmother mm -hmm. all of that has was kind of overwhelming to her she hasn't dealt with it none of them have and i'm thinking we've had at least a week here 
Uh, I yeah. think that's what we're supposed to think. It's been at least a week. None of them have dealt with it. So yeah, but but the other thing that I that occurred to me about the gift was, you know, gift giving is an a science and an art. Yeah. Um, you have to, it's hard to give a gift to somebody that you don't know well. She yeah. and Dean do not necessarily know each other very well yet. Yeah. They know a little bit. It's just you really have to think about the person and what yeah. they would like. And gift giving can be difficult. Some sometimes people just don't don't give anything. They don't. It's hard to pick up on you know what they would like. So I I, I think that that is an interesting scene where they because she's realizing that their relationship has not gotten to the point where she should really feel like she has to give him a gift because she doesn't know him well enough yet. But And yet it's Christmas, so and yeah. she has to give him something. So anyway, but they don't come back to it, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> There's no way to resolve it. So then we um, cut to the the inn, uh, and we start with Michelle. And I kind of it's a very short exchange, but I love this exchange. He's ordering around a member of the staff, telling them basically how to decorate one of the Christmas trees in the lobby area. Uh, I have decided that I think this is a scene of Michelle and this guy flirting. This guy is not a character, but I have to, my head canon is that they are flirting. <laughs> That's what my note is: is that I cannot figure out what's going on with the tree. <laughs> Who is that guy? So you're you're explaining it to me. There's some I mean, flirting going on here. <laughs> I, I don't I don't think he's a character who shows up again. I think he's just a one-off guy. Although you know, I'll keep my eye out for him if we do see him again. Well, but, but they um, cut back and forth to this like two mm-hmm. or three times. Very short scene, and it's like they keep throwing this in. And I think I just wrote down what the hell's going on here. I, I don't. Why is this? I think they're flirting. I think this is how Michelle okay. flirts. Uh, okay. That he's just ordering this guy around and the guy is kind of humoring him. Because the, the guy, the, the unnamed other character, he like does seem a little bit annoyed with Michelle, but he's kind of putting up with it. Like He could sort of walk away or tell Lorelai at any time, and I'm sure Lorelai would be like, Michelle, cut it out. But he doesn't seem entirely angry. He's just sort of like amused by Michelle's ridiculousness. Also, to be fair, Michelle is being ridiculous in that he could just like point to what he means. But like this guy apparently cannot recognize what a fairy looks like. <laughs> like that's the well. Well, the, there's another. There's another uh, clue. Fairy. Yeah. But, um. It's kind of like Luke does with Lorelai. Yeah. You know, he he gets annoyed with her. But in a, in a sweet way, and never mm-hmm. really is really annoyed with her. So yeah, I think yeah. I think you're right that it is a, a flirty scene, a, a sort of underground flirty scene because it was the early 2000s and we couldn't actually have characters be openly gay. No, but you just talk about the fairy <laughs> on the tree. Yeah, we're gonna have this weird <laughs> coded, uh, <laughs> this weird coded conversation about the fairy ornament on the tree and where Michelle wants it to go. And the other guy can't recognize what a fairy looks like. Okay. Uh, anyway, and then the real important thing that happens in this scene is the call between Emily and Lorelai. Emily calls Lorelai at the inn, and it, for like half a second, is a normal conversation. Uh, she calls to tell her that the cocktails are at six and dinner is at eight. And Lorelai pretty immediately says that she probably won't be able to make it there for the cocktails because she has to work. And, Lo- and Emily takes this as her cue to, like, kick into high passive-aggressive mode and basically 
immediately uninvites uh, Lorelai from the dinner, saying, like, well, if you can't make it to cocktails, then you better just not come at all. Uh, and the line that is honestly, like, so over the top to me is her saying, and I do not have the energy to pretend that the way you treated me the other day was in any way acceptable. And it's just like, Emily, you were the one. <laughs> yeah. Like, Lorelai she- did not treat you in any particularly bad way. I get that it was a stressful situation for both of you, but Emily, you were the one who turned on Lorelai in a second and started berating her when Rory was fine. Like, I I understand that it was a stressful moment, but you basically immediately, after being very sweet to Lorelai, you turned on a dime and basically immediately told her that she had ruined her life and that she was going to ruin Rory's life. But you think Lorelai's the one who acted inappropriately? (laughs) Yeah, there there are generational things going on here too, because the reason she blew up at Lorelai is kind of generational in nature. You know, she doesn't understand how Lorelai parents Rory Mm -hmm. because she didn't parent Lorelai that way. But in this scene also, when Lorelai tells her she can't get there by six o'clock because she has to work, Emily has never been a working woman. She doesn't understand that you have a schedule you have to stick to. And if you're a manager and you have other, that might be right at shift change. There's no way she can take off, especially at that time of year. It's a holiday. Exactly. When you work in hospitality, Mm -hmm. holidays are huge. They're really busy. So she cannot get away. This is her profession. This is her career, and she's coming to the party. Mm -hmm. She just can't get there right at 6 o'clock. But Emily is a society maven, and she's never worked, and she doesn't understand that. How can you do that? How can you put your job before your mother? Before your family. Before your family, yeah. And that is actually a question that women have been grappling with for the last 40 years. How do you you make it all work? How do you work until 6 o'clock and get to the Christmas party? pageant for your child or get to your mother's christmas party it it's it's a very it's a it's a really stressful thing and it's mostly it mostly falls on women just to you know be very clear six is really early most people weekday yeah for a weekday for someone who lives half an hour away Mm -hmm. that would almost require lorelei take off work early before five o'clock and yeah they don't come out and say this but like she works at a cute little inn that relies on tourists essentially and they also don't come out and say this but i like based on the way they've characterized stars hollow and what i know about like small towns that look that cute there's a very good chance that christmas is their biggest tourist season like we we don't really think yeah we don't really talk about place yeah exactly We, we don't talk about stars hollow like it's a tourist place but it almost definitely is i mean lorelei works at an inn suggesting that people come there as tourists uh in town i have in my notes the town looks like christmas exactly it's it's all decked out it it looks like a christmas uh, i like it came out of a christmas card Mm -hmm. i mean that's that's what they're depicting here yeah yeah and like visually it reminds me a lot of this town in washington state called leavenworth which has a huge christmas celebration every year they call it like the 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 christmas lights at leavenworth or something leavenworth is in the mountains and it's a german themed town and there's like this whole thing every 
Christmas where you can take a train ride into town. It's like a couple hour train ride and then you stay for the day because it's a pretty walkable town. But, you know, in wintertime in Washington, sometimes the mountains are not very passable by cars, especially if you Mm. don't have chains on your tires. Yeah. So there's this whole like thing where you can take the train in and go see the lights and then take the train back. And it's like this whole huge thing. Leavenworth is just huge at Christmas time. And Stars Hollow. We should do that the next time I visit for Christmas. (laughs) It is a little pricey, but I would love to try it someday. But yeah, and and Leavenworth totally looks very similar to Stars Hollow. You know, it's also got the gazebos and it's got the very like pretty themed buildings. They're not saying it out loud, but I feel like there's a pretty good chance that this is the inn's busiest time of year. And Mm -hmm. it's frankly, there's a good chance that Lorelai has to work overtime during this time, you know? Like right, at, exactly. Especially at an inn, which an, an inn, essentially people have to work there 24-7 because there are mm-hmm. people staying there overnight. So, yeah. like, the, the fact that she can even get away for dinner at 8 might actually be pushing it. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, and, and this scene is kind of rough to watch. Like, you can see Lauren Graham does a great job of showing just, like, how immediately devastating this is that her mom just, just like that, disinvited her from this party. And to, just to throw back to the first episode, what's the joke that they keep making in the first episode? That they only see, see Lorelai and Rory yeah. at Christmas or at holidays. And Easter. Yeah, holidays. Yeah. And, and yeah, so they have been coming to this Christmas party for all mm-hmm. of Rory's life. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's pretty devastating to, to Lorelai. And is the next scene with Luke, because I have my notes that she's crying. And I think she's talking to him um, about it's, this. It's not the very next scene. There is a brief scene. So right after this, the scene is uh, Lorelai is at home and Rory tries to convince her to come to the party anyway. I have a little bit of mixed feelings about Rory in this scene because I do think she's trying her best to like solve the rift between the two of them but there's a part of me that's just like Rory you could just refuse to go (laughs) you could refuse to go without Lorelai and I bet you that would change Emily's tune real quick but Rory is such a people pleaser that I think it doesn't even occur to her that she could do that you know she like she does want Lorelai to go and she does want to heal this rift between Lorelai and Emily but she's kind of unwilling to like play the trump card which like you know if it were me I think that's what I would jump to is like well I'm not gonna go if my mom's not allowed to go well I think she's still mad at her mom and uh, yeah she what she doesn't understand is she came into in the previous episode Emily yells at Lorelai and mm. and calls brings out the shame card you know, shames her a little bit. This is exactly what you did to me. She's staying all night. She's going to get pregnant, blah, blah, blah. And then Lorelai accidentally makes some of those statements or implies some things like yeah. that when she's when she's mad at Rory. And there are two things she's mad about. First of all, that she did this in a way that Emily could see it. You know, mm-hmm. she if she had to do it, why did you have to do it on the night when my, when my mother is here? Yep. And, and it, when she doesn't understand. But also, she is also, she's really worried that, she shouldn't be, but she's worried that Lorelai, uh, that Rory is going to turn out to be like her. Lorelai is very much uh, a risk taker. She she's, lives in the moment. Mm-hmm. She she jumps in and, you know, has sex with a boy and gets pregnant. Mm-hmm. Whereas Rory is much more careful, <laughs> much more uh, reserved, much more thoughtful and, and a planner. She is not a risk taker. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I, I still don't understand, we're 10 episodes into this show, why Lorelai doesn't see that about Rory. Or if she does see it, why they don't, why they keep 
throwing these 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 things into the storyline, the plot lines that kind of imply that Lori doesn't understand who her daughter is. But anyway, so but she does this. So it's it's very it's a very upsetting scene, and yeah. she does say a few things to Rory that she shouldn't say. And I think Rory's still mad at her. She, she doesn't yeah. understand why her mother would say these things. But again, she's acting in the moment. Yeah. Lorelai is is a woman who lives in the moment. She's not a planner. She thinks of life has just happened to her. She worked her way up at the end, blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. So she's but but her daughter is not that way. She's a planner. And so anyway, so she's so mad at her. I think that's what what I'm trying to say here. She she's mad because she doesn't really understand what what happened in that scene. Why didn't you defend me? Probably is what she what she's feeling to my grandmother. What you yeah. know, you know me. You know that I'm not going to spend the night with a boy and and have sex with him because she did spend the night with a boy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but but she didn't have sex with him. And, and she she said you sh- you should know me better than that. I'm not going to do that. Yeah. I'm not going to ruin my life. You know, on the, of course, if she'd said that to Lorelai, that might have been a bad thing to say, too, because it was like, ruin your life like you ruined mine. Yeah. Anyway, there's a lot, there was a lot in that last episode that was difficult to hear and to witness as a viewer, and here we're getting the repercussions of it. Uh, but yeah, but there's also this thing happening, because, so, uh, Rory briefly tries to convince Lorelai to come with her anyway. Lorelai refuses, uh, and then Rory goes to the party, and... Emily kind of acts like Rory didn't do anything wrong. Emily has basically decided that everything that happened was Lorelai's fault, not Rory's. There's a little bit of a good kid, bad kid thing happening here where Lorelai is already bad That's really sad, too. Yeah. And they do, this is a recurring thing. Mm-hmm. They are, are often blaming Lorelai for things that they let, they let Rory get away with. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's really, yeah, it's just, it's really hard to watch. Yeah. And, you know, and, like, I do think that it's a little bit frustrating to feel like Lorelai, you know, suddenly doesn't understand who Rory is when she seems like she does most of the time. But I also think that, to an extent, that's just a realistic depiction of someone who has this unresolved trauma, you know? And and that's true for both Lorelai and her parents. This, this schism in their relationship is still ultimately unhealed. Yeah. Um, they're still both... Um, or all three of them are still very much affected. And part of that is because it wasn't really just that one moment, the moment of Lorelai revealing that she was pregnant. It was really their whole relationship. Right. They they had a difficult relationship, and the her getting pregnant just sort of solidified for her parents all of their negative feelings about Lorelai, and their reaction to her pregnancy solidified all of her negative feelings about them. And it's sort of like this trauma exists exists as like uh, you know a crack in the mainframe and all of these like other moments are just this the 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 cracks spidering out from that break and it's definitely the whole show is definitely an examination of good parenting versus bad parenting so a lot of times as a parent you don't get the kid you think you deserve (laughs) or or need or want or thought you would get you know a lot of times people you know they have children and Children have their own personalities. You know, they they have their own instincts, their own assessments. They they go about life the way they need to go about life. And if you allow them to do that, they grow into the people that they are supposed to be. But in some situations, parents who are more control freaks want their children to be the way they want them to be. And this, yeah. that's Emily and Richard. They yeah. wanted her to grow to be miniature versions of them. And that we get that in television and movies a lot. And it's it's a it's I assume it's a real thing. Yeah. I didn't do that with you 
or with your brother. And my mother didn't do it with me, so I've never experienced that. You know, every parent has to let their kid go when they grow up, and the teenage years can be fraught with uh, conflict, even if you're fine with your kid not, not being a carbon copy, copy of yourself. But, but that's normal. Yeah. But what they experienced is not normal. And you know the, the schism that you mentioned dominates the whole TV show. And it's just, they never allowed or accepted or appreciated who Lorelai was. Yeah. They still don't. Yeah. Um. So yeah, so the, our next couple of scenes are basically cutting back and forth between the Christmas party at Emily and Richards and Lorelai's scenes by herself, which, uh, so when we cut back to Lorelai, <laughs> she's having just the most stereotypical, sad single girl Christmas at the house. Uh, she, she has apparently ordered a pizza but it's not coming um and i i had a question about this but i i answered it for myself i was like why isn't she just taking the car because rory has the car so rory took the car. oh that's why i was thinking the same thing why didn't she just get in the car yeah but you know it's also a small town can she not walk to town we we don't know how far away she does eventually but yeah we we don't know how far away the pizza place is so she like calls the pizza place but they I don't know. They have some sort of like moped or something and it's been borrowed by somebody else. So they're. And it's a holiday season. So a lot of people are not cooking. Mm -hmm. They're ordering pizza. They have a lot of orders. So she pulls out a bag bag of 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 chopped lettuce and throws, pours some salad dressing into it, closes it with her hand and shakes it. (laughs) Which, okay. I definitely, in my 20s, that was how I ate salad. So I do identify. I, w- I mean, I would get those, like, the pre-made salad packs, yeah, and then yeah. I would just, like, open them up and be like, well, I don't really feel like washing a bowl, so I'm just going to dump it all in here and shake it all up. Oh, wow. That is, that's hilarious. I've never done that. I have I've never done, done that. Um. Uh, oh, I did also want to note the song that she's listening to is Christmas Rapping by The Waitresses. I believe it was a one-hit wonder for them. Never heard of them. Never heard the song. You've probably heard the song. You just might not have noticed it because it is it is one of those weird songs that like came out from like an unknown band and kind of to very little fanfare but since then has become one of the songs that you will constantly hear in every retail place that you go to around Christmas and it's a very like single girl song the story of Mm. the song is like this single woman young adult woman is like super harried throughout the year and like normally Christmas is her favorite holiday but everything has gone wrong but also in the background there's this storyline about this guy that she keeps meeting up with throughout the year but they're both too busy to like finally connect and then like they they both end up in the same store doing like a last minute like getting i think it's the cranberries i think they're both getting cranberries and so they meet up again and uh right before christmas it's like christmas eve or something because they both forgot the cranberries and they end up in the same store and so the song has this whole like story and it's like a happy ending and it's just like it is the most single woman christmas song out there (laughs) it's like (laughs) about being a harried single woman so i just thought it was hilarious to have Lorelai listening to it. Also, the main reason that I know about this song is that the Spice Girls did a cover of it. Oh, well, there you go. Love the Spice Girls. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but anyway, so then, and then Dean comes and knocks on the window uh, while this is happening, knocks on Rory's window. And this is actually an interesting scene for a couple of reasons. Obviously, he kind of facilitates 
the 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 undoing of the meltdown. He it's kind of a turning point in the episode mm-hmm. because she, she she warms to him. Yeah. And she lets her anger about that evening go yeah. while she's talking to him. It takes it takes a couple minutes. Uh, but the other thing that, and this is actually what bothers me, is they both refer to her daughter, Rory, as being 16. Okay, what happened to that 17th birthday a few months ago? Anyway, just just saying, now Rory is 16 again. Um, and, uh, well, well, go ahead. If, well, what are your thoughts on the scene? I mean, my my next thought was going to be unrelated. Uh, I my thoughts on this scene are just like it's it's sweet. I I think they I think yes. Lorelai and Dean have kind of a sweet rapport when Lorelai's not being ridiculous. And she she listens to him and she she takes in she looks at his face while he's talking and she knows she's telling her the truth. She knew she has known all along that her daughter did not have sex with this boy. Yeah, but she's so afraid. That her daughter's going to screw up her life the way she did. Yeah. Even though she knows that Rory, that Rory is not like her. I mean, we've, we've gone over this many times. We don't know why she continues to have this fear. I guess it's just a natural parenting fear. But she she, she thaws during this up during this scene yeah. with him. And, she, and she, she lets go of her anger at her daughter. And I think a little bit of her anger at her mom. So that so Dean does everybody a, a service in this scene when he makes the effort. He could just have walked away. He you know yeah. he's not he's he, let, let's let's back this up and describe what's happening. He taps on the window. Yeah. She's sitting in the kitchen eating her bag of lettuce, <laughs> and she hears his tapping. She goes to the bedroom window in Rory's room, and of course that's the worst possible thing because it's the bedroom window, mm-hmm. uh, and he's tapping on it. She she opens it up and they hand, and of course there's no screen. No storm window, which is unrealistic in Connecticut, excuse mm-hmm. me. But anyway, she opens it up and, and they start talking and he explains to her, you know, I, I, I really I, I care about Rory. We have a yeah. we have a, a very good relationship, but we did nothing wrong that night. We literally just fell asleep. Um, yeah. and, and, and he said, and it, we were so freaked out about it. I, and I'm still surprised that nobody has brought up the Everly Brothers song in this. I mean, this is a show where they use, uh, musical references over and over again. And they don't, they don't use the Everly Brothers, wake up little Susie anyway. Um, but Rory, or Lorelai is talking to him. She sits down, she listens to him. She looks at him and lets him talk and yeah. she listens. And you can just see that she's, she's, she's accepting this situation and moving on. She's ready to move on. Yeah. But she still got her mother to deal with. So then she goes into town and gets a yeah. burger at Luke's. Yeah. And so, two things about 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 the Luke thing. Well, though, just one thing, because one thing was that Rory was sixteen again, and the next scene when she goes to Luke's. Hey, did you notice how much longer Luke's hair is in this scene? I did not. It's a lot longer than it was in the previous episode. Yeah. Well, maybe they had a break in filming or something. I'm not sure. But the, but they played these episodes back to back, so yeah. that's kind of wild. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, anyway. My my note is not related to what is happening, but rather what is not happening. Because um, it was about at this point in the episode where I was just like, okay, Lorelai's having her, her single girl moment. She's hanging out by herself. I did have the question of why she didn't have the car, but then I figured it out. But then my next question is, why? where is Max? Why didn't she meet up with Max? He's Jewish. Does, like, does he ever? Yeah, that's a good point. That's like, a very, Does he ever come back into the show? 
No, I mean, he comes him? back. He's just not okay. in this episode. And I think the answer is because this is a Luke and Lorelai episode. Oh this my is, God! Yeah, yeah, that's the obvious answer. <laughs> like that's, that's we will we will. That's the best thing about this episode, as far as yeah. I'm concerned, is what what happens to them later in the episode. But yeah, the the tension between them. Yeah, this episode makes it very clear that there is like romance happening here. If you had any well, certainly doubt. on his part. Yeah. Certainly on his part. I think but, on her um, part, too. And I, I think that might be why Luke's hair is longer in this scene. He's ah. supposed to look more attractive. Now, okay. how they grew his hair longer <laughs> between episodes is beyond me. I like. I understand writing-wise why Max is not in this episode, and it's because this is a the show is shipping Luke and Lorelai episode. I, but just like I mean, we we just had a, a Max centric episode pretty recently, and it was like a, a another big snowy episode. So it just feels very weird not yeah. to have him in this episode. Now, to be fair, I'm not actually sure when Hanukkah would be, and this is not actually happening on Christmas. So it's possible. Two weeks before. Because Luke yeah, keeps it's, saying it's, it, it's exactly. two weeks away. It's yeah, two weeks so, away. Yeah, Luke keeps pointing out that this this Christmas party is happening two weeks before Christmas, which like I I, I am with him on this, but also let's be real, this Christmas party is not a family event; it's a corporate event, just like many mm. of Emily and Richard's parties. They're really more corporate events than they are family events. And in fact, Emily is kind of uh, when when Emily showed up in her christmas outfit i was just like she looks like evil corporate mrs claus like, that's <laughs> and, and it's a dinner like. party i thought it was yeah. going to be a party you yeah know, it could be a lot of people there but there's just basically three couples and yeah. and and rory yeah it is but yeah so i i don't like maybe you can headcanon it that like hanukkah is happening so max is doing that i'm not sure how observant he actually is but i do think it is canonical that he's jewish so i don't know maybe Maybe that's in theory why it's happening, but it just it just felt very weird to me that Max has been such a big part of Lorelai's story and he's not in this episode and it apparently didn't even occur to her to like call him to hang out when she can't go to the Christmas party and you know, I, I don't know. Maybe he's more well, observant than we've been given to believe, and he can't hang out on Fridays. I don't know. I I did not miss him. I I, I did uh, not yeah. have that reaction at all because to me he has felt like a character who moves the plot along, but he's not really essential to it. They've had maybe two whole episodes, maybe three, where their their relationship is the focus of the episode. But I think he's a device, part of her development. He's a device yeah. that shows that she is she is transitioning to a mom of a young woman and can consider for the first time in her what what she believes the first time on having relationships. Although they, you know, Rory makes statements occasionally about how, well, you've dated before. So she's dated before. Yeah. So I don't know why going back to Max, they've made such a big deal about her dating Max if she has dated before. I mean, there there are different ways to date. And I think that maybe with Max, she knows that it would be more serious than most of because maybe before she's just dated to have fun you know you can date and kind of state at the beginning that you know this is never going to be a long-term relationship I'm just doing this to have fun you know that there are different reasons to date and so maybe in the past she's only dated people who were way outside of Rory's potential circle of knowledge and whom mm. she has told up front like yeah. this is never going to be anything 
I'm just here for fun and I don't ever want you to meet my daughter because I don't want this to be that serious. But okay. Max knows Rory, so there's no not meeting the daughter. And I think for a lot of people who date, uh, I mean, you would know better than I do, but I think for a lot of people who date as single parents, that step of introducing you to my children is oh, like, yeah. oh, now we're serious, you know? And uh, it's scary, too. Yeah. It, it, it's very scary because Lorelai even mentions this at one point that if I had, if she had introduced Rory to every man she dated, that you know, you set up the expectation. Oh, this could well like in the first episode. Are you my new daddy? Um, so <laughs> yeah, there's an expectation that this person could become a part of the family, mm-hmm. and then and then this person goes away, and you don't yeah. want to keep doing that to kids as they're growing sure. up. So I think rather than do that, she has kept her her dating life separate from her yeah. parenting life yeah. and and that's probably a good thing but so but I, again i think that max is a device to, to move yeah. her through that transition so as a character as a person as a real person in her life he doesn't seem to me to be that important yeah but I, that, maybe that's just me i don't know no, i i agree and that's why i had this note because i just suddenly realized like oh max yeah. isn't in this episode no He's Which, not important. <laughs> I, I think. I think. Yeah, I think the fact that he's not in this episode is proof that they're not really giving him the weight that he should if he is supposed to be this. Yeah. Like, I, I think it's kind of a. I don't know. It, I, I wouldn't say that I think it's an issue with the writing. I think it's an issue if the show wants us to take him super seriously as a love interest, which I think it has told us that it does. But honestly, Luke is doing the stuff that Max should be doing in this episode. Yes. Luke is doing the like long-term relationship stuff. Which actually brings up a point because she and Luke at this point are friends. Yeah. And they remain friends for a long time. So are they saying, are the writers saying that only men that men who are romantic interests cannot be supportive the way a man or woman would be as a friend that's a that's a kind of a it's a question i'm not saying that that's what you're saying but it certainly brings it brings up that question where's the responsibility where where is she is more of course she's with luke when she gets the call right yeah she she is yeah okay and we're getting yeah. ahead of ourselves because what's the call? She gets a, a burger at his at his yeah. place, and she, then gives, she gets a she phone gives call. up. She gives up on waiting for the pizza, and she goes to Luke's diner, and they they talk a little bit. You know, he, she tells him. I think he senses that she's upset or that she's in kind of a bad mood, and she explains about the Christmas party. Well, she she also tells him that she saw Dean, and his reaction now is actually kind of even more unreasonable than hers is. He is apparently not ready to forgive Dean. He is done a complete 180 where originally he was trying to tell her to you know go easier on dean and to not be quite so crazy overbearing parent now they've switched roles and she's kind of forgiven dean and he has not he thinks dean is a problem he's the dad role here yeah he's playing the dad (laughs) exactly and like he he pretty much openly states that his problem with dean is that dean is hot and tall and that means he's trouble (laughs) like that's and and you know and luke is hot and tall Uh Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh-huh yeah so yeah it it is a very interesting scene uh but she gets the call that her it it does happen in 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 this scene right yeah she gets a call that her father well in between we have seen that at the party they have a a little bit of conversation around the dinner table that richard has very much been focused the entire party slash dinner 
on uh, his boss and whether or not they're mm-hmm. going to sell the company. He's getting very anxious about this. He and he says, you know, is it getting hot here and nobody else is hot? And so you know, he starts to take off his tie, and uh, Emily yells at him, "You can't take off your tie. It's a it's a dinner party." So mm-hmm. he says, "Well, I'm I'm going to go in the other room. I can't remember what he goes in the other room for, but he goes in the other room. I think it's to check the thermostat. Oh, that's what it is. Check the yeah. thermostat." And they cut, and of course, that you know, there's been enough foreshadowing that there's mm-hmm. something happening in the other room. I thought maybe he was having a panic attack, yeah. so because he's panicked about the company being sold, but apparently not. He he must have collapsed or had some kind of a a serious health crisis that we don't visually see on screen. But yeah. uh, the next scene is in the, in the diner. Uh, she gets the phone call. She's got a, a cell phone with her. Now, we have to back up here again and remind everybody that there's a sign on the wall in yeah. Luke's and, has, and they, they show it almost every episode that this is 2000. Cell phones were not ubiquitous then. Yeah. So, but they were an, enough, there were enough of them that they were annoying to people. Yeah. So he has a sign up that says, no cell phone use in the diner. Mm-hmm. And her, her phone goes off and he, he kind of, you know, chastises her and says, you can't answer that here. And she said, it could be Rory. She's, she's got the car by herself. She could be broken down. So he, he acquiesces and go ahead and answer. She answers and she gets this panic stricken look on her face uh, and she says it's her dad. So yeah. they rush off. She doesn't have a car. She's going to call a cab to go to the hospital, which is 30 minutes away. She kind of starts having a panic attack in real yeah. time about yes. it. Yeah. How am I going to get there? Rory's got the car. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, we all know what's going to happen. Luke's going to take her. But Luke has yeah. to shut down the diner to take her. And before he can do that, the entire pageant... The carolers. Performers. Car- the carolers. carolers. That's carolers. what it is. It's a pageant. Yeah. The carolers come in, and they start caroling him. And they're in the middle of this crisis. So he's like, mm-hmm. he's not, he's like, get out of here. And he's, he's, we thought you'd give us hot chocolate or coffee or something. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Yeah, the, the carolers and, come in. And immediately, like, demand free drinks, basically. Which is just, like, such We're a misread for of Luke. You. Yeah, Luke does not want you to sing for him. Like, he does not want you in here at all, let alone to give you free stuff. But he set this up in the last episode where he, that yeah, episode he, where he was feeding he everybody and giving them hot chocolate and being nice to them for a change. Yeah. So he kind of set this up for himself. Yeah. But at this moment, he's he's he has to get Lorelai to the hospital. Mm-hmm. So he trusts these people enough, though, he says, you know what? Help yourself to hot chocolate and, and coffee. He gets everybody else out of the out of the diner and says, just lock up when you're done. To and Taylor specifically. He gives the case to Taylor. Taylor specifically because he's, yeah. he can trust him. He's a he's a, a fellow business owner. He knows how important it is to, to shut everything down and lock up. Well, I think up. it's also he can specifically trust him with this because Taylor is just like absolutely the kind of person who has like a, a kind of uptight old-fashioned code and like yes. would definitely like taylor will do anything like opportunistic that would benefit himself but he won't he won't do a crime you know no he he won't he's uh, trustworthy yeah and he won't do anything that would make the town seem less like a perfect picturesque family-friendly place right. so it, you know that includes looking out for your neighbor. So yeah, and he and he can sense that there's something bad going on here. Yeah. So um, so they they exit and then they're on the truck driving to the hospital. And yes, I love this scene for a couple of reasons. It's great. It's a catharsis of sorts for her because she's crying and yeah. on and off she's crying consistently throughout this scene in the truck. And at first I'm like, really? 
she's crying really and then i thought no it's been a really emotional couple of weeks for her so it's yeah. come, kind of coming out and the and the and this tears and these tears but the other thing is that that luke is literally driving the same truck my brother owns which is <laughs> literally a 1970 chevrolet truck mm. and i'm looking at this truck and thinking oh my god he is driving a Ford, well, in 2000, it was 30 years old. So yeah. that's an old truck. But it doesn't surprise me because yeah. Luke is kind of that kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, so she actually does, She they even get into a conversation where they're talking about her father. And she yeah. does seem to understand her father. He's she lived does. his life. She says he's lived his life the way he thought he was supposed to. And yeah. that is, that describes Richard to a T. I mean, it, he has done what he has been, what has always been expected of him. Lorelai yeah. has been the exact opposite. She has never done what her parents expected of her. And they did. So they did not understand how she could act that way towards him. And this is a conversation that she and, and Luke are having. Luke's listening, you yeah. know, because, she, but she gets into talking about her dad and how things have been difficult and why they're difficult. Yeah. And it's because of, of, of the way he's lived his life, which is that he thought he was supposed to do this. And he's yeah. always done what he thought he was supposed to do. And yeah. Lorelai has never done what she thought her parents wanted her to do. Just the yeah. opposite. And that all comes out here, and it's kind of difficult, but it's also kind of a catharsis for her. It's kind of bittersweet because at the same time, she can see him as both a good person and not the right dad for her. She sees him as, you know, kind of an upstanding man who did what he was supposed to do, but also he did not work as a father for her that was not yeah. really what she needed uh, she, she's like she starts off the conversation saying I feel like this is one of those moments where I should be remembering all the great times I had with my dad the time he took me shopping for a Barbie or to the circus or fishing and my mind is a complete blank and Luke tries to comfort her by saying well I'm sure it happened because he, he's thinking that you know it's just that she can't think of these moments but she says no it didn't we never did any of that he went to no. work he came home he read the paper he went went to bed I snuck out the window simple he was a very by the numbers guy I was never very good with numbers I think that's a really common story with a lot of men of that age where you know they were taught that their job was just to provide for their family financially and in no other way you know they they weren't supposed to uh or it wasn't expected of them to be emotionally available it was just expected that they would provide the financial support and that was it and all they have to do is go to work and you know not go to work and and give their money to their families to keep them going and all of the emotional stuff is on the wife. And the women would raise the children, not just yeah. the emotional part, but the logistical part. Yes. You know, when when he has to take a few episodes back when he took Rory to the to the to the club to play play golf, mm-hmm. he didn't do that with his daughter. He didn't do mm-hmm. anything with his daughter. From what we're getting in this scene, he was not a hands-on dad. He didn't take her to yeah. soccer games. He didn't, you know, he may have gone to concerts if she was a musician. We don't know, but we assume that she, he probably did those things because, you know, that's a pride kind of thing. But he yeah. certainly didn't teach her anything. He didn't take her places where he they could interact or where he could have, uh, you know, moments where he was teaching her or, yeah. or counseling her. Or advising her, helping her to grow up in any way, but but what's interesting to me in this scene is that she somehow thinks that's her fault. Yeah, she she says 
I don't know if she says this, but I wrote it down, that she thinks she's a bad daughter. She says, uh, what a disappointment it must have been for him to get me. Yeah, she thinks she's a bad daughter. Yeah. And it's very, you said bittersweet, it is very mm-hmm. sad. Yeah. But anyway, so that so it raises the question that every child asks at some point. How do I live my life and get my parents' approval and love? Yeah. How much do I have to sacrifice for them to love me? Yeah. For them to think that I'm the person they wanted me to be. Yeah. And still be my own person. I mean, it's, it's just one of those, it's a separation thing that usually happens in the teen years. She's 32. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just but, now but happening. She, but she did kind of skip the end of her teenage years. She did cause... skip the end of her teenage years, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, instead of figuring that out, she just left home. And Luke's response to her is, I can't imagine anyone seeing you as a disappointment. Oh, which... my God. <laughs> Is, it's, which is, is very sweet, but is also like, yeah, that's because you haven't met Emily and Richard yet. <laughs> oh, that's true. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah. But he will. <laughs> he will. Well, I guess he, he has actually met Emily briefly. Oh, I guess he's, I, I think well, he saw the... them both at Rory's birthday, birthday party. But he, party. but he doesn't know them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So then we get to the hospital and we meet, we see Jane Lynch, Jane Lynch at the hospital. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and Emily being an absolute nightmare. <laughs> Uh, As you em- would expect her to be. Yeah. Uh, Emily is, uh, you know, pacing back and forth, bugging the nurse. She doesn't want to fill out the forms that she's supposed to fill out. And she's also upset that they haven't seen Richard yet. Uh, the nurse That's tried- actually a good point. Because there's a lot of time going by in this in this hospital yeah. where if he's had a heart attack, why haven't they talked to them yet? Yeah. And, and she says at some point, we've been here for hours, which seems reasonable. They've at least an hour because it takes a half an hour, you know, for 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 her to get for Lorelai to get to the hospital so yeah where's the urgency yeah <laughs> I I kind of I'm with I'm with Emily on this there should be more urgency in a, in a hospital than what they're getting there I would be with Emily if it weren't for the actual way that she is treating these people well that's I, true that's she, a good point like, <laughs> she's just kind of like she's very condescending to Jane Lynch's nurse nurse character also Jane Lynch tries to get her to fill out the paperwork which you need to do and she makes the terrible mistake of calling her Ms. Gilmore instead of Mrs. Gilmore oh yes and Emily flips out and says it's not Ms. Gilmore it's Mrs. Gilmore I am not a Cosmo Cosmo woman, woman. <laughs> And yet she is. She is yeah. totally a Cosmo woman. She, she is. is bright and independent. She has a college education. She succeed. She's successful in her own way. She hasn't had yeah. a career, but she's had a, a volunteer career. She's a very. She's a woman people take seriously, yeah. and she is a Cosmo woman. She's the very definition of, of a Cosmo woman. But but she can't see it, and she doesn't want to be labeled that way. I think. Yeah, I think it's kind of her way of saying that she's not like a newfangled modern woman, and I think it's mm-hmm. also way of her differentiating herself from her daughter she's not a a lorelei type of woman except she is she is she's not a feminist except she is Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) oh that's a great scene but yeah so lorelei and luke arrive at the hospital this whole series of scenes is just kind of everyone is sort of doesn't really know what to do they're all having a lot of big emotions and they're all kind of at their wits end so lorelei kind of continues to have this sort of panicky reaction to everything but she is able to find emily by the sound of her voice and the sound of her yelling at the nurse so she shows up and basically gives jane lynch an opportunity to leave by saying that 
she'll, you know, take over the paperwork. She um, handles and... the Jane Lynch character so much better than her yeah. mother does. In fact, so her mother says to her, you've got rid of her. Because mm-hmm. Lorelai is great at conflict resolution. And mm-hmm. j- not just with her parents. but And she not only gets rid of Jane Lynch, she gets from her what she needs. Yeah. Jane goes off to do what, what Lorelai needs her to do. And I can't remember what, what it is in that scene. But she's, Lorelai can get people to do what she needs them to do because she's been doing it for years. She runs an inn with employees. And that is actually one thing that Emily has never done. She's never managed employees except for the maids that she keeps firing. That she keeps and, firing, and that's yeah. And that's a good, a, a great contrast. She, instead of trying to get them to do what she needs them to do, she fires them. Well, mm-hmm. Lorelei doesn't have that luxury. She's got yeah. to have stability in her employee force, her workforce. So she's got to get them. She's got to coach them and teach them and get them to do their jobs in a way yeah. that benefits the inn, and that's how she handles the Jane Lynch nurse character, and it actually impresses uh, her mother. You got rid of her. <laughs> she also just kind of goes through the doors that they were told not to go through, <laughs> which also kind of confounds Emily. Lorela is a rule breaker as well as a risk taker. She doesn't. She understands that some rules are okay to break because you're not hurting anybody. And yeah. she goes through there to she's kind of find out what's going on with her father. They've been there for an hour. They don't have any information yet. She is as com- confounded by that as Emily is. But she takes the bull by the horns and goes. I'm, I'm going to yeah. find out. I'm going to figure it out. Because that's yeah. who she is. And then they do find Richard. I think it, he didn't have a heart attack. He had, I forget what they said it was. Do you remember? In China, that is a heart attack. In China, attack. that's it. Oh, it, it is. is a heart attack. Okay. Well, in China is one of the, yeah, it's heart pain. But it usually yeah. is caused by by constriction of the arteries okay and so i'm surprised they just didn't want to get into it but i'm, I'm sure that in a classic angina situation he would have had um stents put in what do you call okay. that not not a bypass but the other thing <laughs> but um but put stents in um okay. so he did he said something the doctor said something that was reassuring it was yeah. just it, it wasn't really bad it was angina. So it's yeah. a preliminary. It is a heart attack, though, in a sense. I'm pretty sure if you look it up, angina is heart pain, yeah. which indicates closed arteries. So he may not have had, it might not have done damage to his heart, but he definitely okay. has the precursor situation. Yeah, I mean, so, it's, not, it's definitely a serious situation. But yeah, the main thing that the doctor tells them is that he just kind of needs to eat better and stop smoking cigars. But yeah, but uh, kind of leading up to that, there's a moment. So I guess he's still asleep. And there's kind of this back and forth where Lorelai is very clearly avoiding going into the room with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of a continuation of, you know, a, a lot of this episode is sort of about her relationship with her father. And in a way, it's like a direct contrast to her relationship with her mother, where her relationship with her mother is kind of that they can't get out of each other's spaces they can't not get right up in each other's faces but her relationship with her father is kind of one of mutual avoidance yeah and that's like very much on display in this scene where she keeps avoiding going into the room with him and then she finally does and she's actually the only one who's in there when he wakes up and they have a moment where they're looking at each other and there's vulnerability on both of their faces but before either of them can say anything everybody else rushes into the room and they basically just exchange glances and then she walks out of the room again i'm not sure she she's avoiding her father i think she's of she's avoiding her own pain um, i mean I, I think i think it's all of it i think she's also just avoiding 
you know, looking at the fact that he might be about to die. To die. Yeah. yeah, and that there might not, if he dies, there's, there's no chance for them to under, to get to know each other and to get to understand each other. And yeah. maybe she even thinks and realizes at this point that she wants that. I'm not mm-hmm. sure we're at that point yet. I'm not sure we ever get at that point. Yeah. But they, they, do, do, they do make uh, some kind of strides later on in the series. But at this point, she's just beginning to realize she loves her father, very much, and that's not even that's not even in question here. She just doesn't know what to do about it. She doesn't know what to do about their relationship. And I think the other difference, but like the the kind of the problem in her relationship with Emily is actually that they are too similar, and Emily can't stand the parts of herself that she sees in Lorelai. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and with Richard, it's the opposite. Yeah. Lorelai and so Richard different. are genuinely very different, and they don't really know how to bridge that gap. Well, and you said that she she's spending, she's trying to avoid seeing her father, but when she's not doing that, she's taking care of her mother in this episode. Yeah, And true. when they're in the hospital, she is taking care of her mother every step of the way because Emily doesn't know what to do. She's, yeah. she's mishandling things. She's yelling at people she shouldn't be yelling at. She's overreacting. She's a wreck. She is not handling the situation very well. And Lorelai is emotional and upset, but she she moves into damage control or something, crisis mode, and takes charge and finds out what's going on, finds out where her father is, takes care of her mother in the process, while periodically also flirting with Luke. So there's conversations <laughs> with Luke where she's, she's flirting. And mm-hmm. at some point, and I'm not sure where the scene is, but at some point, I love that Emily can see that Luke and Lorelai are being idiots for not being mm-hmm. together. She actually says something to him to yeah. that effect. And Luke understands this. He, he knows that he, he is interested in Lorelai. Mm-hmm. But why is Lorelai resisting Luke? That's what, what I don't understand here or for the next three and a half years. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think it I, sh- I think it might be an extension of the same reason that she resisted Max, you know, mm. that she's afraid of actual commitment. She, she is. She very you know, much is. Yeah. She's, you know, she, she, she was able to commit to her daughter. And, and I think that commitment allowed her to not really kind of in a way to never come to a true like adult perspective on romantic relationships because she is at this point 32 maybe 33 i'm not i know her i think her birthday is supposed to be in december but we're not exactly sure when it is and she's never had a real long-term relationship uh except which, with her father who which is so i think that her, well, i mean a romantic relationship well, i know but i'm saying that i think her her father has plays a role in this the the fear of commitment that she's mm. her parents she feels her parents rejected her she may not articulate it that way but yeah. she certainly feels it so yeah. if they if your parents can reject you any man could too and you know yeah. it could it, there could also be a little element of the one thing that she knew growing up was that she didn't want their relationship and yeah. or that she that she didn't want their life and their life is defined by this very traditional version of a marriage mm-hmm. uh, and and you know actually this is something that I I do relate to a lot is like it it can be tough to figure out how you want your romantic relationships to look if all of the examples that you have are either extremely dysfunctional or fit into these traditional roles that you know won't work for you or both. Because a lot of the time those two things go hand in hand. Not always. Yes. But in this 
sense, they definitely do. I mean, a big reason why Emily is as difficult to deal with as she is is that she probably should have had a career. She probably would have been a happy person if she had had her own career. She's got a super type A personality. She's someone Mm -hmm. who strives under a lot of pressure. She probably should have had a career, but she was kind of born too early for that to be acceptable. And I think, you know, if Lorelai never says that out loud, I think she understands that on Mm -hmm. on some level that I I think on some level it might feel true to her that getting married would turn her into another Emily another person who is sort of unhappy and forced to play second fiddle in their own life yeah Um, even though even though Emily doesn't really see it that way yeah that's definitely yeah that's definitely not how Emily sees it and also you know I, I don't want to in any way imply that Emily doesn't love Richard. She obviously does. That's why she's flipping out so much. It's more just that she and Richard are both trapped by this very old-fashioned idea of what marriage between a man and a woman are supposed to be. And that is probably a big part of why their life didn't work for Lorelai and part of why she didn't want to marry Christopher. You know, she didn't want to be a housewife. I, I don't know that she ever expresses it in those terms, but I think that's part of what's happening. And, you know, I, I, I can totally understand why being around... A man who seems like actual long-term potential might immediately make you think, oh no, I'm going to get trapped in one of those terrible old-fashioned marriages. Uh, I'm not sure that that's exactly what's happening, but I think that's one possible interpretation. It could also be just the opposite, that she knows that she and Luke, so this would be a fear of commitment, that Luke would be very good for her. Mm -hmm. And... That, that, you know, the, that attraction where people are afraid of the attraction. Mm-hmm. Luke isn't, but I think Lorelai is. And, yeah. you know, it's like, it's just, it's too, it would be too, she can't, she doesn't accept that she should have something that good. Yeah. I think that that could be a part of what's going on here too. But I just want to point out, in the hospital, at some point, Lorelai has completely lost track of her coat and her purse. Yeah. They just, <laughs> She, she at first she tries to keep up with them, and then at some point they're just gone. They're just vanished. <laughs> I don't, we know we have no idea where they are. Um, but yeah, so I guess just to talk briefly about Rory in this scene, because Rory is also in this scene. Yeah, she is. Um, I, I think this is maybe kind of Rory's first brush with mortality in a way. Mm. Well, uh, and maybe Lorelai's too. But I mean, I mean that as from sort of a coming of age kind of thing. Yeah. Like Rory, I don't think Rory has ever known anyone who has died and she hasn't had as close a relationship with her grandparents prior to the beginning of the show. She, she wasn't that close to her grandparents so she didn't really have to think about the fact that they are much older than her and will probably both die before she does. And this is and she kind doesn't of know what to time. do with herself. She doesn't yeah. know what to do with herself in the hospital. So yeah. she goes and buy, say, send her off to go get magazines or newspapers for him to read. Go get yeah. him a Wall Street Journal to read. And I don't know that a hospital would have a Wall Street Journal, but he, she finds one. <laughs> so, so she, yeah, they, they keep kind of getting rid of her. She's really yeah. not as important in these scenes as uh, Lorelai and Emily. Yeah, well, her, I mean, her relationship with Richard is much less complicated. Uh, she yeah, and Richard, yeah. just, they just kind of straightforwardly get along. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but that they do have a really cute exchange where uh, when she does come in to see him, she asks him, if I hug you, is it going to hurt? And his response is, pain is part of life. Which is very <laughs> it's, great. <cute. laughs> it's great. It's <laughs> great. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so I did just uh, a lot of Rory's dialogue in these scenes is about her not wanting him to die. And I think that's an expression of her suddenly being forced to contend with the mortality of her grandparents. Mm -hmm. Uh, Something that is kind of, this is about the age, I think, when a lot of people start to really deal with that. Uh, I mean, a lot of people do lose their grandparents at around this age. Uh, I think I had already lost every single one of my grandparents Yeah. But, well, no, um, your grandmother, your that, yeah, father's mother lived my, to be 90. Other, yeah. Yes, one of my grandmothers had not uh, yet died. But I, you know, I knew a lot of people in high school who were losing their grandparents around this age. And, you know, for a lot of people, that's kind of the first person that you know who dies. If, if mm-hmm. you're, if you have not lived a tragic life. Right. Uh, then, yeah. <laughs> it's good. That's, that's a good, that's an important point to make. Yes. If, if you live a normal life, your grandparents dying should be the, the first time you encounter, encounter that. Yeah. Yeah. Grandparents are like great uncles or, you know, that yeah. kind of, that's. Yeah. But grandparents the, are closer. Grandparents yeah. are your, your, your parents' parents. And those are, for most people, you know, in healthy families, they really important uh, people in your lives. So, yeah. yeah. And she's becoming attached to her grandfather. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, just to face it head on, Richard does not live a very healthy lifestyle. Oh, God, no. He, he, eats, he eats a lot of red meat. He smokes cigars regularly. And the most exercise he gets is occasionally going golfing, which mm-hmm. he admits he doesn't actually do very often. And he's got a high-stress job. He's a heart attack waiting to happen. But, yeah, so we kind of end this scene. Oh, oh, actually, before we get to that, I did want to say Luke and Emily get a little moment together luke and emily are a very interesting dynamic because emily kind of luke is emily is like reluctantly charmed by him a lot and Mm -hmm. i think she kind of charming he's He's very charming charming. and i think and he's kind of no nonsense in a way that is very similar to appealing to her yeah Yeah, they're they're both they're both a little curmudgeonly but at the same time she does not want to like him because i think she kind of doesn't i think she does know that he and Lorelai would be a great couple, but she also kind of doesn't think that he's good enough. And, you know, who knows exactly why that is. It could just be classism, but it could also be that a part of her still has not given up on the idea of Lorelai marrying her child's father, yeah. Christopher. Who yeah. who has a, a startup tech company. So, yeah. <laughs> And who is from a good family. And like, he's Lucas, from a good family, has money. Yeah, Luke is like... To, us, Luke is a pretty well-to-do guy because he runs a successful business, but you know, it's it's a quote-unquote working-class kind of business because it's a diner, mm-hmm. and his father ran a hardware store, which is also a quote-unquote working-class kind of business. Which comes up in this episode. He, he yeah. describes it to Emily, right? That's so, it yeah, was that, a hardware that's, store. Yeah, yeah. so that's, and that's what I wanted to bring up, is that he... He didn't uh, want a hardware store, so he shut that down, but he opened a diner in it, so... And, and he didn't, but he didn't change anything, which is the thing that no. he reveals to her, is that, because I think she she's uh she's talking about not wanting anything to change and he tells her that he's you know exactly the same way and that even though he changed the hardware store into a diner he left all of the decorations up it looks exactly the same except now it's a diner mm-hmm. except now it has tables yeah now it has tables <sighs> but yeah she um she but she completely sees that luke and lorelei are into are, each other are being <laughs> Being idiots for not recognizing yeah. their mutual attraction. Yeah. Or not yeah, acknowledging yeah. it, I guess. And then Emily does have her own scene with Richard where he tries to talk to her about sorting out the will. Yeah. And she she just cannot 
deal with it right now. Mm -hmm. She's just like, no, in fact, I insist on dying first. Well, and that's the thing, you know, in a a couple that's been together that long, it makes a lot of sense, this scene, because she's basically saying, when you're not in danger of dying, we can talk about you dying. Yeah. (laughs) And then we can talk, you know, because when you make your will, you have to really suspend your acceptance and understanding that you're going to die. Yeah. So, or you couldn't make, nobody would ever be able to make out a will. So you have to yeah. be in that mindset and she can't do that right now. So yeah. it's a perfectly, you know, reasonable situation. That's, and that's kind of it for the hospital scenes. We end on Luke agrees to take Rory home and then Rory gives her keys to Lorelai and Lorelai and Emily stay in the hospital mm-hmm. uh, while Richard is there. And I, I think they go, they agree to go down to the cafeteria. And then the final scene is Lorelai shows up at Luke's diner. With a blue cap. Yes, and they're they're actually they're wearing kind of matching outfits accidentally. Luke is wearing this like blue plaid and Lorelai is also wearing a blue shirt. I loved Luke's plaid in this scene. Ah, blue plaid, beautiful. Um but yeah, she 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 brings him she brings him the romantic gift. You have always liked plaid. I love plaid. I forget it sometimes. (laughs) Yes, you've always liked plaid. I love plaid. Um, but yeah, but this scene, I feel like sort of, I, I'm not sure how intentional it is, but I feel like it calls back to the scene where Lane and Rory were talking about romantic gifts and getting a gift for someone that you know they'll like because Lorelai shows up with a hat for Luke. Another it's, a, it's a baseball cap. It's a baseball, baseball cap. cap. Yeah. It's a bright blue. And in this particular scene, he unusually is not wearing a cap. Yes. So he she hands it to him and, and and you know he puts it on forward I think first and then she says no that doesn't look right and she turns yeah. it around for him right so I, I think she it puts it I think she puts it on him forwards and then says it doesn't look right and then turns it around okay but it's very sweet it's very cute it's a, it's an insanely romantic scene it's very romantic <laughs> and I wonder I, I I wonder if we'll ever see the hat again because he does wear a hat in every episode but yeah wonder if, we have to look and see next week if he's got the blue hat on but they chat a little bit and it's really obvious that they can see they are finally acknowledging their mutual attraction but I, I don't know that, that we come back to this for a very long time yeah I mean this is this is one of those scenes where it's just like it's really weird that they're not canonically together because this is like Mm -hmm. she's she's showing up to thank him for being there for her he has really genuinely come through for her for this whole episode oh yeah Uh, he he was the like what the the fifth family member essentially you know everyone who was at the hospital was just family and luke which Mm -hmm. is normally like that's the position you would be in if you were married to this person yeah yeah, uh, and and then they end by like looking out at their cute little quaint Christmas town, like through the the window together to like look at the lights. Uh, oh, it, I think it's the rehearsal for the pageant or something. They're like watching. It is. It is. The pageant they actually do, I think they're they're doing it. There's a parade. Uh, no, I, I, they... I think, but I think it's the rehearsal for the parade because Luke says oh, something okay. like it's only the rehearsal, and she's like, "Well, I want to watch it anyway." But he, but he also mentioned something here about it being Christmas still being two weeks away because he's yes. mentioned this several times during the episode yes. that Christmas is two weeks away. So does when she hands him the hat, does he say? Something about it, you know, it's not Christmas yet, it's two weeks away. Yeah, I think I so. <laughs> I think that's that's when that comes up again. She says, no, no, this is just a thank you gift. Yeah. Uh, so that's it. Uh, do you have any other thoughts about the episode? Well, I had questions about this episode. I, you okay. know, 
I'm not sure why Lorelai thinks she's a bad daughter. That may be yeah. something we can we can come back to in future episodes. She's not a bad daughter. Her being a daughter, that part of her identity was stunted because yeah. it got cut off when she was 16 and she went off on her own. I don't understand why why she's resisting Luke. I think both yeah. of these things are just, you know, part of the what the show is. I mean, you know, yeah. she it's just they're de- plot devices or whatever. But I also don't understand why, you know, the plot device of having Richard have a heart attack or an almost heart attack and going to the hospital and causing a crisis uh, of concern and worry amongst his family members. That's a plot device. Yeah. And why did they feel that was necessary? Why did they... It almost feels like they backed themselves into a corner with that previous episode and mm. could not figure a way out of that conflict without a MacGuffin of Richard being in the hospital and almost dying. And, you know, yeah. quote, unquote, almost dying. I, I think there was no way out of that conflict without actually evolving the characters too far, you know? I, I think mm. I think none of the characters are really ready to actually get to the next stage of their evolution. And, and I do agree that it's a plot device, but I also think that that's not entirely unrealistic for families. You know, sometimes you just sort of but have to keep do going. You, do you think that because you've seen it happen in so many TV shows where they no, can't I, I resolve a conflict? <laughs> I think that because I've experienced it in real life, you know, because there are just there are some people that are just in your life and it would be way often family, but it would be way too hard to cut them out of your life. And you have a conflict where neither of you is really ready to back down or fully apologize. And you just sort of keep going without fully resolving it. I've I've experienced this. But then they almost die and you resolve it that way. Well, no, that's that's the point I'm making. It's not just (laughs) it's it's not just that they're not evolving. It's that they they bring this thing in with Richard as a way to resolve the the conflict as a way Mm -hmm. to bring Richard and and Lorelai you know to to break that break down the the coldness that's between them to warm up their relationship a little bit so why can't they do that on their own why does there have to be this crisis this health crisis I mean that I I do think that that is sometimes true though as well that sometimes you do put something on hold because someone is I, I this particular situation maybe not because Lorelai's conflict wasn't with Richard in this instance it was with Emily yeah um but you know I I think it is true that sometimes you know if you find out that someone is dying even if you had a conflict with them and you felt that you were owed an apology and they never apologized you might still come to their bedside anyway because you know once they're gone they're gone you can't apologize when someone's dead or you can't you can't have a final moment together if they're already gone so it's a realistic plot device yeah i mean i'd like i think it is an artificial plot device but i don't think it's unrealistic i guess okay that's very good all right so do you have any summary thoughts i i think my summary thought is just like luke and lorelei are already in a relationship they're just formally not in one they're just not having <laughs> sex yet that's yeah that. exactly like um. this this episode <laughs> i i wrote multiple times in my notes for this episode luke is lorelei's boyfriend he just is that's how he's acting in this episode but you or, know. or is he her best friend because you know suki is her best friend yeah but she's not in this episode at all she's not yeah i don't know it's interesting yeah. and we were only on episode 10 yep. there's a lot more to go so that dear listeners is all for today yes it is i'm tessa dare you can find me at my website tessadare.com that's t-e-s-s-a-d-a-i-r.com 
where you can sign up for my email list, or you can follow me on Instagram at author.tess.adair, or on TikTok at author.tess.adair. Uh, and if you do want to support us on Patreon, that's patreon.com slash where you lead, all one word. And I'm Beth Von Baron. You can find me on Instagram at STL underscore writer underscore Beth. Um, and this has been Where You Lead, our fun and terribly witty podcast about the Gilmore <laughs> Girls from the perspective of a mother and daughter. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed it and we'll tune in for our next episode in two weeks. See you then. <laughs>